I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Stephen. And I'm Helen. In this week's New Statesman podcast, we talk about what the election is going to be about. And we talk about Tim Farron and his views on homosexuality and his religion. Stephen, do we have to talk about the election again? Well, we've only talked about it once so far, but... Well, obviously, we have many, many more election podcasts. Ahead Do you know of what? Us. I was reading stuff back from the 2015 election, and it feels like the land that time forgot. You almost imagine that you're going to read, like, the pink bus was, you know, assaulted by a triceratops. It just seems so long ago. Yeah. No, it does feel like. Remember a... when we were young? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. I mean, I used to not wear, wear my glasses in the last election, and also I was thinner. True story. That's depressing. I bet I did have a lot less grey hair in the last election. Yeah, I only have one grey hair, but I only get grey hairs during the Labour leadership election, so... <laughs> You've got plenty more to come. That's to look forward to later on. OK, um, let's catch up on... So we had our emergency podcast earlier in the week uh, after Theresa May made her surprise announcement of an election on the 8th of June. The uh, New Statesman Newsmobile swung into action. A couple of themes are beginning to emerge already, right? This is So this is my theory. So the first big theme of the election will be... Um, illiberalism and authoritarianism right this idea that kind of dissent is unpatriotic you know you're a saboteur the thing that came out very strongly from Theresa May's speech where she said the country is united but you know Westminster isn't united basically people are offering me opposition and that upsets me and I don't like it yeah yes which I think will will be coupled with or will you know kind of whether it's a separate theme will be the attacks on Corbyn then actually haven't materialised yet, but one assumes that uh, you know CCHQ has been reading every one of his Morning Star columns. It's been doing yeah. We'll have some unearthed a widow who's angry about the IRA or you know well whatever mm. they they will uh, pour all sorts of stuff and they will run on the idea he's a threat to national security, coalition of chaos, stability. On the other hand, you have Labour's message, um, which will build on the successes of the Easter recess. It is weird to think we started this week being like, oh, Labour's had a really good passage of play, and now everyone's like, oh, my God, Theresa May's going to destroy the world. Um, yeah, OK, so I think that the two is the attacks on Corbyn is an, is an interesting theme, and I think we maybe talked about this before. There's a difficulty because they have to simultaneously portray him as a proper opponent that they are well scared of and people definitely need to come out and vote, and also this kind of long abiding perception that he's a clown, he's a joke, You uh, like this guy can't possibly be in, be in t- charge of the economy. Which is why I think that, I mean, you and I have remarked on this many times, and I guess we're falling into our own trap here. The whole idea about Theresa May not wanting to do the TV debates, I think is a bit, potentially a bit wounding for her. Because obviously 
the media loves talking about itself. So the media loves talking about whether or not there will be stuff in the media. That's really, you know, that you can do that from your sofa. Second of all, it does, I mean, there is a point to talking about it, about, it does have a point about Theresa May's personality, right? And whether or not she is actually up for a fight and whether or not she is a kind of risk taker. Because it would be a risk to, to do these things about Jeremy Corbyn. If you tell everybody that your opponent's a kind of total joker and a clown and then you don't trounce him. And I think that brings me to kind of, number three of the the themes in this one, which is Theresa May's expectation management, which is going to be a really tough thing for her because the polls, uh, what would translate to 130... 114. Yeah, yeah, 114 seat majority. So she's got to kind of go into it with everybody going like... And I think that is a problem as well in the sense of people are like, if she looks too complacent, like obviously we all know this election is just a formality, I'm going to win, then that probably puts people's backs up in the sense of, well, why are you asking me to turn out to vote again? Why are we going through this rigmarole? Yeah, a bit. I mean, I think... So I think on the TV debates, I think Jeremy Corbyn would, will do very well if they happen in that format. That kind of question time, round round table thing, he's done it a lot of times, he does it very well... Um, yeah, as we saw in both leadership elections. He does not get rattled at all. I think that's the really interesting thing about him. He never looks like he's I mean, he's uncomfortable with what he's saying, which was Ed Miliband's big failing, right? There was sort of Ed Miliband sort of pleading eyes, being like, I don't want and, to be socialist, and but you I remember can't. The first time, the first time around he, when he ran for leader, in the Newsnight debate, that was the moment when I kind of stopped going, oh, I think he can get a strong second. And I kind of went, mm, no, no, he can win. Was the, that first debate, which, according to the leaked polls, was also when members started to go, oh, you know, why simple, clear, you know, everyone should be looked after, everyone should be... He will do that very well. And she's quite robotic. Um, when someone throws a, a... You know, and... And actually, he's he's sometimes, although I know he doesn't know who Anton Deck are, actually, at the kind of banter questions, his lovable, I don't watch telly stuff comes off better than her, I have been given a tape with Saturday Night Takeaway on, I particularly like the bit at the end. Yeah, and also, I think the debate's a problem, one, because journalists love to talk about themselves, two, because there is an expectation in most of the press that this will be a foregone conclusion, which means the one thing that you cannot get away with taking away from the press, if you're the part, either party, is things for people to talk about. Um, if your analysis of this election is Labour cannot possibly win and they're going to go down to a crushing defeat, the debates are really the thing you're going to hook your cover your election coverage around there because there will be no momentum in this election. And journalists... Yeah, and you can... There's a wider thing about the kind of, yeah, the sportsification of, of politics journalism. But there will be a strong desire to do something to be like, narrative, momentum, who won? Who's going to win the next debate? And I think it'll be quite hard for her to resist that pressure. On the other hand... She's quite good at resisting she's pressure. She's quite good at resisting it. I also don't understand why, if I were in the leader's office, I would have made it conditional on voting for... Uh, the thing that you had to eat your TV debates because I just think they are the only chance to turn people around on their candidate. And if you can't turn people around on Jeremy Corbyn, he can say anything, right? People vote for the leader and then they basically trust them to... You know, see if the fact that people think that Theresa May, who is just objectively to the right of David Cameron on most things, is more centrist. Why? Because she's not a posh man. Yeah, so I think those are all um, things that I have picked up. I think the other people who've got a... Um, a kind of tough election campaign is, is the SNP in terms of defending their incredibly high watermark. And actually, what's the kind of 
like you say, what's the momentum story for them? They can't sweep to a kind of, you know, clearing the board again. Realistically, actually, if they lose three seats to the Tories, weirdly, that's going to seem like a bit like a bit of a defeat for them. Well, I think it, it, it will be. And I think, I mean, I think the interesting thing is one of the problems with sort of how we cover elections is there's a lot of sort of school board election, a school board journalism. So we kind of go, oh, the 2015 election was close. Well, it was in terms of the majority, but in terms of what happened in individual seats, it was a thumping defeat. It was as bad as 1987, right? It was a really, really bad defeat. And I think the interesting thing is not so much, you know, if, if they have the same number of seats or whatever, it's what we've seen in every election since 2015 in Scotland is the people who voted no are starting to vote like people who voted yes, i.e. they are voting tactically for the largest no party. So if you are Joe Swinson, that means you should win. If you are, oh God, I can't remember who the Lib Dems are, are going to put up in Edinburgh, Western, or West, but you know, in, in, you know, if in Edinburgh you So if you're you a start... candidate who's the second place in an SNP seat, then you've got, and you're, it's a tight race, as we know with Joe Swinson's seat that it is, you've got a decent chance. And actually the same with, Lab- with, with Labour, right? Despite the fact that Scottish Labour are in a... a They're going to get a friend free in Murray. Are in a, are, in a, ...are in a state. I wouldn't be surprised if... Because Ian Murray fought the campaign that the Scottish Labour Party has ostentatiously refused to do... Uh, since and to be honest, if you care about holding the union together, um, the thing which should really worry you isn't the failure of Scottish Labour to go. Look, they're 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 a separatist party. We're a unionist party, and basically just fight them on that instead of having this weird thing where Labour doesn't want to talk about the constitution but goes, oh, do you know what we really hate? Nurse bursaries or baby boxes or like these kind of inoffensive kind of social democratic-ish ideas, and they've really got to have the argument about the constitution. But if if it becomes a left-right choice as well as a are you part of the United Kingdom or not choice, that only helps uh, Scot- the Scottish nationalists in the end. I, to be honest, am, you know, fine with Scotland wants to go its own way. Good luck. But, um, yeah, seriously, good luck. That sounded like very, like, oh, good luck and don't let the door hit you on your, your way out. But that should worry people. I think there are other things that... I mean, one thing I did think this morning, because it was quite a nice day, um, was about how many places will be really interesting to go to. So the southwest, home of um, Lib Dem Conservative marginals, will be really interesting. Some of those um, Tory Labour marginals in Wales, I think, will be really interesting. Northern Ireland, I think, you know, the kind of return of overtly sectarian voting lines there, I think, is really fascinating too. Um, is there any way you're, you're? I mean, there have always been. Yeah, but you know what I mean, like the small, the, the smaller parties, and the, the the hope that that was moving towards, you know, the alliance and some of the other parties, I think, could get completely squeezed to the margins as it becomes a a Brexit border issue. Yeah, I mean, I think the other kind of interesting thing in terms of that that Lib Dem plot. So I was at the Strangers' Bar yesterday, and there were a lot of Labour MPs wryly comparing their majorities. You know, go, I've got 14 points, I've got six points, you know, are we going to come back? That kind of thing. Um, but the thing a lot of the older ones, you know, the ones who'd been through the 2010 election as incumbents were saying is, oh, they, they're like, oh, it'll be fine. Because what we did in 2010 is you went, people went, I hate Gordon Brown. They went, I know, me too. He's not going to win though. And haven't I worked hard? And they think they'll be able to dig in and more of them will sort of survive than the polls suggest. I hope so, because I have to say, I read the... I was looking at Electoral Calculus, the site, and looking at the, you know, the top predictions for which ones were going to uh, change hands. And there were a lot of my, not even problematic faves, but my, you know, relatively fave faves 
Gisela Stewart, your problematic fave, is not running again. Which um, I'm glad about. Which, because she will probably lose that seat to the Conservatives had she run. Ken Clark is standing again. Um, Alan Johnson stepping down in Hull and Hessel West. There's right? a lot of anger about that. So, Do they feel that he should have stood down last time and then let someone have a proper clear run at the seat? No, because people sort of semi-feel that the important thing about standing, stay, standing this time, which is why lots of people like Harriet, like Margaret Hodge, all of whom were expecting not to stand uh, in 2020. Oh, it's the kind of hunker down election, it's right? The, if you've got an incumbency bonus, then damn well stay there. But also, don't let your seat flip to, to some... The, the Corbyn to, to the Corbynite. Or, or, you know, don't, don't let it move to the left. Um, which... Yeah, and there's lots of people who feel that Alan Johnson had a fairly gilded existence as an as an MP. You know, came in having been general secretary of the CWU, basically right into ministerial office. Has got to swan around being like the darling of literary festivals, and is now just like, well, if um, that is the kind of Westminster consensus on Alan Johnson, which is we like Alan Johnson, not one of nice Stakanovites, but um, which know. I mean I think is semi unreasonable. I feel if you've spent a large chunk of your life first delivering post and then in industrial disputes you're allowed in the but that's how or two of your years oh yeah yeah. no I know and and, you know I really like the books so I'm glad that he spent time doing them whereas people kind of feel you know Ian Wright difficult for him to win in Hartlepool Tom Blenkinsop Tom Blenkinsop very difficult for him to win Pat Glass Um, has had some personal issues Pat Glass has yeah had a lot of uh, abuse which I really like Pat Glass she was a really a very brief uh, because she then uh, a really good appointment by by Jeremy Corbyn in a but almost subliminal appointment by Jeremy Corbyn. But at that no, point. but she was uh, it's a shame. I, I like Pat Glass a lot. Um, um, one thing we quickly have to do though is, is Tim Farron and his hatred of uh, homosexuals, or not, as the case may be. I think that what I feel like I've seen, if I'm honest with you, with that is a lot of instant Labour partisanship flaring up on the day on day one of the election campaign, right? Where there are lots of people who are diehard Labour partisans, panicked that everyone else is going to the Lib Dems. I mean, it's not it's not a new issue that he is a uh, Christian, right, and that he has his own views on what constitutes sin. But no, I think because I don't know. So although he's ended the day in the right place, so he said. I don't believe it. It is a, a sin. This is like a known uh, and, to my mind, quite reasonable objection to to Tim Farron because I think this argument that some people are making, oh, it's just liberalism for you to believe that something is a sin but not to act on it. Okay, that's true in terms of the political theories of the Liberal Democrats. That that works. However, the reason why it upsets a great number of people is it feels like is you can only believe it's a sin if it's a choice. And so his hesitancy in front of Kathy Newman and going, no, it's not a sin, it kind of feels like saying, oh, do you believe it's a sin to be black? Well, no, because you are born uh, that way. And so that's why it's so painful for a number of people. Obviously, it is being weaponized by the Labour Party because they're frightened of, of the Liberal Democrats. But I always feel whenever we talk about people weaponizing claims of uh, of offence, then actually... They're, they're weaponising it because it's a weapon which... It's a good weapon. And also no, because it deserves I do. to... And I, I think agree. his hesitancy over the, the is it a sin thing is... It's a bit like Jeremy Corbyn's kind of continual hesitancy to go, yes, obviously this anti-Semitism is bad, without kind of going, and everything else which is not currently being discussed. My worry about it is I think that some of it, and maybe I'm showing my own prejudice here, I think some of the way that it comes across on Twitter is a 
bit and not anti-Christian because that's a kind of difficult concept. But you know what I mean? It's a bit kind of like, huh, all these religious people be crazy. That strain of atheism that's very much like <laughs> these people, they're like crazy sky monster. And while that might be an intellectually defensible position, it's not one that has a, a broad appeal to a lot of people. You know, a lot of people do find atheists intolerably smug. And that's a kind of current that I've seen in it. But you're you're right. I mean, it's a totally legitimate objection to say the guy is ra- leading a party that is appealing to social liberals and he's not actually intuitively that socially liberal himself. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. I think if, if, if I were advising the... I mean, no, I actually think, to be honest, I think Labour's... Uh, you know, I was speaking to a Labour source and said, oh, your plan for the Lib Dems, and they were like, they're an irrelevance. And I think if you're the Labour Party, your approach to the third party has always got to be the equivalent of, you know... Yeah, but this is Corbynism all here. over, is that they'd much rather fight the Lib Dems for the left votes than they would to take on the Tories. That's a much more comfortable, like, let's attack this person because we are in a much better place but I don't on, think on the, gay rights but than the, we'd like to have a conversation about immigration in, or in welfare. But the gay rights stuff hasn't really come from the Labour Party. And one of the things I'm finding, not just targeted to you, one of the things I'm finding a bit... Um, pernicious about Labour's debate in this campaign already. I, in, well, you know, kind of, and I, I just do it myself. Is people when they when they say Labour and they actually mean people on Twitter, right? So it's like <laughs> with the free school meals thing when you had a lot of people going, "Oh, Labour centrists are against it," and it's just like, "No, I, I'm sorry, all of the PLP is for is for this, right?" You know, like Nick Cohen is many things, but he's not. That the man PL- is the political centre of but he's not, the he's not But he's not the, he's not the PLP, it. right? It's just, it's nonsense. And there's an awful lot of kind of... So it, it's not like the leader's office were like, right, we're going to release the... We're going to gently remind everyone that, oh, isn't he actually yeah, not I know that great mean. on the gays? No, I there's know. people but... on Twitter getting angry about it. And in my view, uh, rightly so. And I say that as someone who has a lot of time for Tim Farron on many other issues. But you know what I mean? It does speak to one of those really interesting cross-currents of British politics where... There isn't, and I think some. I think the. I mean, the Easter egg row is a particular sign of this. There is a desire to have a kind of, an, a, a question about whether or not Christians get a hard time in public life and they get mocked and ridiculed. I'm not saying this is necessarily true or supportable, but there is a big and it's kind of a cultural thing, and I think it's probably a bit of a, a white thing and a sort of non-London thing as well about values, about feeling that you know. Islam gets respect, Judaism gets respect, and Christianity doesn't get respect. I just think you do see some of that in there. I don't really know entirely how to unpick it, but I feel like I can almost sense that kind of current. Is there somewhere? I think that's probably the... Mm, I don't know, because I kind of think if Sadiq Khan had had, had stuttered over whether or not he thought um, you know, homosexuality was a sin, Sadiq Khan, with a, who doesn't have on his voting record voting to... St- mean that if you're a registrar who refuses to conduct gay marriages that then you can be struck off right so he has a, an impeccable voting record on these issues if he had said that it would have run and run in a different way mm. um no although- i agree with you you know what i mean i know some of this stuff like the easter egg hunt is a classic example of i think Theresa may playing the politics of the kind of dog whistle about yeah. your culture is under attack but there is also genuinely that that works because it speaks to something that people feel anyway look we've got seven more weeks to argue about tim farron let's come back to it 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. And now it's time for. I think I should have a special election, you ask us, but I will come back to you with a jingle for, for next week and for the rest of the campaign, Stephen. Watch joy for you. Um, the question I've been asked on Twitter this week is, if Labour uh, suffer a slightly less bad defeat than the polls would suggest, do you think Jeremy Corbyn would stay on as Labour leader? Um, yes, I mean, I think... So one of the things I've written in, in my column this week is there are kind of three groups of people in the Labour Party at the moment and they will fight... W- two and a half campaigns, right? There are the optimists in the leader's office who believe that if you have a radical agenda and you have a message of taking from the 1% to give something to every everyone, that can uh, break things around. And then, you know, as you know, one of his ministerial allies said to me, you know, as, yeah, as I've said before, Jeremy is good in a question time style format. If we can get TV debates, we've seen this all throughout the world, debates allow you a, a second chance at a, a first impression. So there's, that's what the optimists say. Then you kind of have the pessimists within the Corbyn circle who their analysis is, if we lose and he steps down, Tom Watson will become acting leader. Yvette Cooper will probably become leader by acclamation in the PLP. Um, and I think that latter part feels at the moment, although obviously things change, that feels likely She's to got me. the Theresa May story ready, right, which is that you just know that a basic level of competence and ability, and if it all looks like a total screaming panic, then that kind of becomes very attractive. She also right? has the Theresa May asset, and a lot of her opponents in the Corbyn sceptic wing, in its broadest definition, have flamed out in one way or another and had very bad marches. Um, but so their feeling is, right, we, 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 you know, we, we can't let go of this because we'll be purged. Um, and so they think for that to work, you need to be able to say to the membership, look, we actually improved, his ratings are turning around. So they're fighting the same campaign, but they have a different objective. Then, of course, you have Corbyn sceptics who don't think it can work, but the more sensible ones also think that you can't have a situation where members feel that people didn't work their hardest. Uh, and and so they, again... Will will we will we working in order to to then you know win the leadership election afterwards? My instinct is is that it's hard to tell until it happens, right? But my instinct is is we we talked a lot about whether or not Ed was going to try and stay on if it, if he got two hundred and seventy seats or whatever, and then in the end, actually, when the defeat happened, it's such a relief to be able to just go someone else's problem. Yeah, I think the one variable in all of this is. The average person who voted for Jeremy Corbyn in the party membership is not as irrational um, as a lot of Corbyn sceptics on Twitter believe, nor are they as irrational as some very angry uh, Corbynites on Twitter would necessarily suggest. Right? Only a third of Labour members in 2016 believed that Jeremy Corbyn was competent and and only a third believed that he was leading them to victory. In, um, in Ian Warren's latest poll of the membership, 69% of members think that if Corbyn loses the next election, he should stand down. What they also think, which, to be honest, is undeniably true, is that from the beginning, he hasn't been given a a fair crack of the whip. 
etc., etc. So the one variable in the would he be able to stay on is Labour MPs are quite great at, at going, yes, we need to behave ourselves, we need to be really polite as a collective, but then you only need one person to think, but in my seat, it's in my interests to be difficult for that to change. And so it may be, and also, you know, it, it may be that if, 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 if when he goes, the first thing someone says, you know, at 5 at 5 a.m. Uh, on election morning is brilliant, now we can get back to having honest com- conversations about real concerns about immigration, then suddenly maybe he will have the support to stay in the membership. But I think in most possible universes, if there is a defeat, there will be a change of Labour leader. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Helen Lewis and Stephen Bush. We're produced by India Bork and mixed by James Shields. Our theme music is by the Underscore Orchestra, licensed under Creative Commons. Why not say something nice about us on Twitter? To us, even. Sometimes Stephen might retweet you. I won't because I'm cooler. But we're at Stephen KB and at Helen Lewis. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.